Welcome to another episode of the Menswear Style Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Brooker. Today, I'm talking to the CEO of Frederick Constant, Niels Egerding. Uh, Frederick Constant specializes in luxury watches at sensible prices. They operate in a segment that is best described as accessible luxury. Passion for what they do is one of the key drivers of their success and in the past years the company has grown 25 to 35% annually and this was one of those rare interviews that I got to do in person and Niels was a delight he walked me through some of the watches that were on display there at the exhibition and so you'll hear us go into the weeds with some of the watches from the range and the website frederickconstant.com is a place to go where you can shop. We do talk about where you can physically see these watches in person. And uh, whilst we do name some outlets, Watches of Switzerland is definitely a decent place if you want to go and investigate those watches, which I really recommend you do. They're beautiful and also online, of course. So enough rambling from me. Here is Niels Egerding, the CEO of Frederick Constant. It's a great pleasure to introduce Niels Egerding from Frederick Constant. How are we doing today, Niels? Very good. Thank yeah, you. it's Thank great you. to see you. Um, we are here in a kitchen. We've taken the podcast on the road. We're in the center of London and we're, well, we're looking at some beautiful watches in front of us. Um, but Niels, before we uh, have a look at the watches, perhaps you can tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, some of the history, please, behind Frederick Constant. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, my name is Niels. I'm, I'm, I'm born in Holland, in Amsterdam. And uh, was dragged into the, the watch industry already 25 years ago. So, uh, and 11 years ago, I met Peter and Aletta Stas, the founders of uh, Frederic Constant. And I was intrigued about uh, their passion and vision for the brand. And they asked me to, uh, to move over to Switzerland and work together with them. And since then, uh, time flies. <laughs> I, uh, it's 10 years later, making a jump. I'm managing now the company. Um, and the brand itself, if I bring you back to the history, it's uh, it's born from passion also by Peter and Aletta Stas. They really went from expatriate based in Hong Kong, working for ING, the bank, but also for Philips, Peter. And uh, they moved uh, once in a while back to Switzerland for a ski holiday. And looking at windows, they've seen beautiful timepieces for high-end brands, beautiful finished, but not accessible. And there the idea was born to set up a brand, build a brand um, with the name of both grandfathers, grand-grandparents, uh, working even in the dial uh, for clocks in that time in uh, Switzerland. And the idea was born for a classical watch brand, but very accessible and high finished. Um, and it, from day one, when they started to introduce the watches, it was directly a hit. Now, almost 35 years later, uh, yeah, we are a brand uh, having our own manufacturer complications and uh, a diversity of luxury timepieces, but still accessible. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. And perhaps you can just talk a little bit about the design process for us, please. Uh, I know that there's a lot of love craftsmanship that goes into decorating these beautiful timepieces. Perhaps you can touch upon that for us. <laughs> Yeah, so I think it's very important for a watch brand to, to keep your DNA. Um, and our DNA is classic, very classical timepieces. Uh, but above all, we have a very iconic design, uh, what you can see here with the open heart. The idea of the open heart, and that's typically our DNA, our signature. Also the cliché finishing, uh, the beautiful dial details. Uh, and that for a watch here, you talk about a watch just below 1,000 euro. So you can see it's finished high. This open heart was meant in back in the 80s really to, to bring it up. 
um, to differentiate an automatic watch. Having an automatic watch that mm-hmm. uh, is, is winded by movement, you don't see it from the front side of the watch. But when you open it up, you see the movement details and it really brings the luxury up. This is coming back as a DNA part of the whole brand already for 35 years. It has been developed, of course, but it's typically the DNA. And you spoke briefly about the the history of working with clock faces and dial faces in the history. And I think that really does transpose into the watches. There's uh, like the DNA that you mentioned. It's it's really replete with those kind of classic dial faces that you might have seen even on like your grandfather's clock or I've got something like that in my mum's house where she's got the Roman numerals and that that's that's not by accident is it that that's here well the biggest thing you see on a watch is the face of the watch and the dial so there you have a lot of uh, liberty to to come up with uh, yeah, the high finishing so there it's very important to also differentiate your luxury timepiece versus uh, the lower price products or even looking up to the higher price product. And what are their price range? So what are people coming in at for the, for so, the low end to the high end? Yeah, we aim uh, the first, uh, let's say the first professional that has his first job into a real, uh, a, real, a real serious job after study. You can enter the brand starting price from 650 to 750 euro. Wow. Then we bring them up to their first automatic watch that goes to 950 euro. Then you go one step higher uh, to Manufacture. Uh, that's our own complication. We have more than 30 in-house calibers now. And Manufacture means the conception needs to be done in-house, the production of the components, and the assembling. Then you really have an in-house uh, complication. And we are capable of doing that large scale to keep the price low. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, then you can evolve your customer to a more higher-end product starting at 2,000 euros. Okay, so still very accessible even when you get to the high end range. Yes. And so you said you're based in Geneva, you've got the headquarters there and the manufacturing there as well. Is it all the same building? It's all the same building, yeah, 6,000 square meters. So what's that like to work in the manufacturing place? Every day uh, a huge uh, benefit of being able to go to the factory, meet people, see people, see process, touch the details. It's uh, it's amazing, and it's good for us because we have everything in house. So that's that's a huge benefit. Right. And what's it like day to day for you? Um, I, so let me paint the picture of how I imagine it. You rock up to work. You go upstairs to the office, answer a couple of emails, maybe get on the exercise bike, and then it's time to hit the the floor and make sure everyone's got a cup of coffee in the hand, feeling good about the day. Am I on the money? That's pretty spot on. <laughs> Forget the bike. Okay, uh, So yeah, you are, you come in uh, to the factory uh, by the main entrance, and then you go up. You go to your office. Indeed, you check an email. You take a cup of coffee. Then we start uh, pretty early in the morning with a daily meeting. A daily meeting with management team. So we have ten uh, ten members in the management team. Where the daily meeting, we go over the daily struggle, numbers, production numbers, and really everybody is directly on the table with the problematic. The idea of that is that you never be blocked. And because we go fast as a watch company, we have to go fast. We are relatively young. Uh, It's very important that nobody gets blocked and that everybody knows what's happening. Then uh, overall, uh, yeah, in every area, you have 20 minutes meetings. You check in with each other. We have a very open culture. So typically in Switzerland, uh, it's very hierarchy driven. You have your boss, the management team, the rest of the organization. 
And because we have a bit of a Dutch culture in the in the organization, it's it's more personally driven and very open. So we walk in through the organization, go to the production, and we really uh, talk to people and see that we can smoothen things up to make sure the production comes out. Interesting. And so how many releases would you do maybe on a year or what... How long does it take from conception to the marketplace, would you say? It depends. Uh, a complete new conception of a movement take averagely three to four years. Mm-hmm. Um, if you take a regular line extension of a watch, it takes like uh, one year. Mm-hmm. So it variates. But we bring uh, every year like approximately 40 novelties into uh, the collection. And it's a global novelty collection that not every region takes all. They really take a decision uh, what product they launch. And we always have two to three strong key launches that we as headquarter impose to the globe. And that means uh, if there's a key launch to do, uh, everybody needs to follow. But around that, you have smaller launches that not, not necessarily every market have to take. Okay. And so that makes it, that makes it flexible for people. Also. Sure. More fluid. And do you, those, those releases, are they collaborations with other designers? Do you bring other people in to impart new ideas and then work along those? We tried, but um, it, so you take out some ideas by, by doing external designers coming in. But overall, uh, we see that if you bring in outside uh, external designers, they go away from your DNA. Right. They like to do their own touch to your watch. And uh, because we are relatively young, for me, the protecting the DNA is very important. So we have a lot of designers in-house. So from the conception movement to the dial to the final watch, we have everything in-house. Interesting. Uh, I saw on the website that you have the, the smartwatch, the uh, the Vitality smartwatch. Yes. When was that introduced into the brand? Back in 2015, we came with the first Swiss-made smartwatch. Uh, so that's already seven years ago. And what is... So break that down for me. What is the Swiss-made smartwatch? It's a Swiss movement, uh, a modular a modular system uh, that connects via Bluetooth with your phone. And from the first appearance, it's really a beautiful classical timepiece uh, that you don't expect. It's, it's, it's a smartwatch until you start to connect it by pushing the crown. I saw uh, that. that yeah. I mean, you'd never see just from looking at it on the surface that it's a, it's a smartwatch. That was the idea also, because if you look at uh, the massive smartwatch market today where Apple is, 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 is leading, yeah, you can never compete with those big giants. So we also didn't want to compete, but we wanted to lift on the success they have, but then typically within our DNA. So since then, we have been selling more than 250,000 uh, pieces, uh, and we have been developing three different calibers. Uh, the latest caliber has been the Fatality, where you touch and you have a small screen that pops up through the dial. So if you don't touch the, the crown, basically it's still a nice classical watch. Oh, okay. And so that gives basically a bit of both worlds. So the people that do yeah. like to look at a classical watch... You know, they perhaps don't want to see a blank screen when they look at their wrist. They can still have that aesthetic, but then use the functionality of yes, being exactly. connected. And with nice. the heart rate sensor in there from Philips, it's very high-end heart rate uh, sensor also. Uh, beautiful. Great idea. So um, I was going to ask you about your demographics. So outside of Switzerland, where where do you do you market the, the brand in a particular country or a demographic, or is there one that's more popular than another? No, we are by far global. So we are in every, every country available. Um, <clears throat> the, the biggest region for us remains Europe. 
very strongly driven and historically like that. Uh, then you go to Asia and the last areas, the US. Okay. So strong um, uh, Europe driven. And I think the, the, the strength of our brand is that we have a strong core collection. But in Europe, we apply also certain products that are very European driven. And also in Asia, we have different products to fill up your total collection. And in America, also different. So we really help local markets to build the brand more to the, to the local consumer with keeping the DNA and keeping a s- strong core. And do you have, uh, or do you look to have brand ambassadors that might be marquee names, or is that really not something you gravitate towards? So we used to do. We 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 used to have uh, Gwyneth Paltrow in the past uh, as a triple A uh, brand ambassador known across the world. Um, today, I think that changed a bit. Not sure how you think, but uh, I think the luxury, especially having an ambassador, people today are much more aware about pricing and not necessarily willing to price to pay more because there's a brand ambassador behind Mm, it. mm. So our philosophy is very clear. We put a lot of energy and money into the development of the brand on the innovation of the luxury to offer a fair price for the consumer to have a beautiful finished watch and not paying for... Yeah, ton of of ambassadors. The the overheads of having a Hollywood A-lister just turn up for a a day on the photo shoot. Well, the beautiful watches. Thanks for showing them off for me today. And in the stores, we can find those internationally. You say so. Where would people go in London if they wanted to have a look at some of the Frederick? Uh, Well, they go to Selfridges, Harrods, man. Harrods, no. No, I think. Watches of Switzerland. Watch of Switzerland is a very key partner uh, here in in London, Goldsmith. Mm-hmm. So uh, I would uh, I would re- tell them please invite yourself to have a look at uh, the collection at Watches in Switzerland, and there you can find uh, the finest collection of the brand. Wonderful, excellent. Well, that's where people can go, and obviously we'll leave a link to all the websites and the social handles. Do you do the social media yourself online? Yeah, we do it ourselves. Not me yeah. uh-huh. myself, but uh, my team is doing it. We're very active, also. Yeah. Well, how does that? How do you leverage social media? I know we're going off the grass a little bit, but yeah. how do you look at social media with regards to your industry? Do you find it's a, a good way to draw attention, or is there a certain way that you approach it that's going to be different to other brands? Oh yeah, sure. It's it's unavoidable to tap into the young uh, new luxury target group to not go digital um, but it needs to be an extension of the DNA of your brand and also the factory for us it's very strongly detail driven and manufacturer driven to so our own calibers and that should be the extension how we speak to the consumer and also socially so there's a through line so people don't yes know. yeah I think co- consistency is very important mm-hmm. would you like to see uh, your watch in a particular film I mean, do you like movies? I love movies. <laughs> Is there? Um, I love music and and and, uh, and movies. So, um, a particular film I would like to see it. Paul, that's a very good question. I never thought about that. I'll buy you a minute here. So, perhaps as a uh, an actor or someone that you grew up watching or a movie. I mean. Uh, yeah, I've I've, I've seen. Um, I, I like I like a variety of movies, but the last movie, June. Oh I'm yeah. Not sure if you've seen it. It's I a trilogy. It's probably a trilogy that comes out because it ended very abrupt. So I don't know even. But that cast, uh, I'm, I was really amazed. 
Yeah. It's it's what what is the, the actress name? So there's Timothy Chalamet in that. Yeah. And uh, Zanaya, is it? I forget the uh, the others. Well, I'll edit it in post. Yeah, sorry, sorry that I don't know that. But uh, listen, I'm, I'm already well, a little bit older also. <laughs> so, I was very inspired about the level of movie, I have mm. to say. The science fiction, of course. But uh, yeah, and, and uh, that that group that was acting, uh, I would love to have my watch on that wrist. Well, maybe for the sequel, <laughs> right? Because I heard that it's not just going to be one installment. It's too big a story to yeah, keep yeah, in yeah. one. So um, if they're out there, maybe they can get in touch. Great. Niels, thanks so much for you're coming and showing me these watches today. Um, you're at, you're in London for one day, you say? You're going to yeah, do it? Well, two nights, to... but 36 hours. So okay. uh, tomorrow morning at four o'clock, we have to wake up to take the plane at seven o'clock uh, from Yikes. Sydney. Yikes. So. Who did that to you? That's just mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's part of the deal, correct? Okay. Well, Back listen. to business in Geneva again. Make yeah. sure the watches are produced. Yeah, get on that. I bet they all like your work <laughs> staff are like, oh, he'll be gone for a couple of days. We can turn up at 10 a.m. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's always like that. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be there at half five. <laughs> when the cat is from house, then the mouse dance on the table, correct? That's a Dutch that's expression. Right. That's Right, yeah, Not sure if it's valid in England, actually. <laughs> Brilliant. Neil, thanks again, and uh, all the best for the future. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Menswear Style podcast. Be sure to head over to menswearstyle.co.uk for more menswear content. And email info at menswearstyle.co.uk if you'd like to be a future guest on the show. Finally, please help support the show by leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Until next time.